Have you noticed over the past two years, everything Satan's trying to do to keep people out of church? Have you noticed that? First, it was COVID. Churches all over the, uh, the country shut down. Some for as much as a year, which is incomprehensible to me, but they did. Brooklyn Tabernacle had to. Uh, other churches went for at least a year. We were down for about two and a half months um, under orders of the city to not come together. But, it, but you know, I, I look at things, I try to look at things through a, a spiritual lens. And I look at how the devil has tried to keep people from gathering together because there's power when we gather together. All right? So now what is it? Gas is almost five a gallon. And it's, it's, it's 310 degrees out. <laughs> but, but mainly gas. And people are starting to wake up and they go, you know, how am I going to spend this tank of gas? Because I've had, I had one woman uh, text me this week. Uh, they've been a long time member of our church. And she said, we're spending $200 a week to fill two tanks of gas. And so here, here's what I'm going to suggest to you. We're going to have to get mean against the devil. We're going to have to get mad and say, okay, you know what? Um, I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to defy this. And I'm going to trust that if I, if I, by faith, go to church, God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me because it's obeying the Scripture. I mean, at least we're not having to ride a camel to church or a donkey to church or a horse or walk to church. And if it gets down to gas is 20 a gallon, I will ride my road bike up here. I will pedal up here. But I'm not going to let the devil keep me out of the house of God. No, 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 no. I'm going to get mad about it. Uh, I believe in righteous anger. I do. And I'm not going to let, listen, because evil forces want to come in when people aren't going to church anymore and, and, and say, now you can't go anymore because of this, that, or the other. No, we're going to have to kick against that and say, no, the Bible tells me forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the habit of some is. No, so I'm not going to let COVID, yeah, it's still out there. It's still floating around. And if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. But we're coming to the house of God. We're coming to the house of God. Now, that has nothing to do with my message, sort of. It kind of does. Because I want to talk to you today about something very, very important. How many of you can see that we're in a spiritual warfare? And how many of you know it's not with flesh and blood, ultimately? But it's against rulers of darkness spiritual wickedness, principalities and powers that, are, that, are, that have the church in their crosshairs. They don't want the gospel going out. They don't want the word going out. They don't want people saved. They don't want Jesus preached. So I'm going to talk to you today about resisting the devil. Resisting the devil. I want everybody, let's, let's warm up. Say we can resist the devil. Let's read James 4, verse 7, and then we're going to read 1 Peter 5, verse 6, and it's just two verses, and then we're going to pray and be seated. Here we go. As a matter of fact, it's so short. Read it with me. Ready? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Did you read that right? Did I read that right? He will flee you know what flee comes from? A Greek word means run as if in terror of. He will run terrified of a church that is rightly resisting him. Then, 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Thank you, Father, for your word, how we cling to it, how we need it. How, Lord, we assimilate it and think about it and meditate on it and read it and hold it tight. And, Lord, today, speak to us out of your word so that we can better resist the devil and walk in victory and spread the gospel through this city, state, nation, and world. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say with me, resist the devil, and you can be seated. Resist the devil. Amen. Now, in these two passages from James and Peter, 
uh, we find the number one key. Now listen carefully, because we, we don't usually hear this. I don't remember the last message I heard on this. But James tells us that the number one key to successful spiritual warfare is submitting to God. It's being submitted to God. Now, Peter comes along and says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Same thing. If you're humbled under the mighty hand of God, you are submitted to God. So do you want to win in spiritual warfare? Do you want to win in your battles with the flesh? Do you want to win in temptation? Do you want to win when the devil attacks you, your mind, your marriage, your house, your finances, your peace? Do you want to win when you're, when you're wrestling on the spiritual mat with the devil and he's trying to take you down and count to 10 over you? Do you want to win? Peter says and James say, uh, says also that it, the key, the number one, number, spiritual warfare 101 is to be submitted to God. That's the posture of the person that wants to win in spiritual warfare. That's the posture submitted to God. Now, most Christians, when you think of spiritual warfare, they think of you know, rebuking the devil, um, binding the enemy, putting on the armor of God, um, so on and so forth. But James and Peter are telling us that if we want to win, we must first have this posture of being submitted to God. Nobody who's not submitted to God is going to win. It begins with submission to God. All genuine victory over Satan's attacks begins with being submitted to God. Now, we saw in our last message, last, last time, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody that he may devour. He's a predator. He's prowling. He's looking. He's sniffing out and looking for Christians who have their guard down, Christians that don't have the armor on, Christians that are not submitted to God. He's looking for an opportune time. It says when the devil left, left Jesus uh, at the wilderness temptation, when Jesus finally beat him and he knew that he could not win against Christ, it says Satan left him till an opportune time. So that tells us Satan is an opportunist. He looks for the right moment to strike. It's usually out of nowhere. It's usually sudden. He either comes at you quickly or he comes at you subtly, sneakily. But he's camped on the doorstep of every believer looking for a way to get in. And if we ever forget that, then we are prey for the devil. Uh, until we go to heaven, you can never, ever wake up and go, well, the devil's off bothering somebody else. No, if you're saved, you're covered in the blood, you're born again, then every single day there's a target on you, and Satan is prowling around looking for an opportune time. Not trying to make you afraid of him, but I want you to be aware of him, because I'm going to expose him today, and I'm going to tell us how to beat him today out of the Word of God. We also saw that one of his favorite weapons, I believe his favorite weapon in the church, is offenses. He uses offenses to divide Christians and to sabotage the Christian walk of believers. Uh, he uses offenses all the time. He's able to get us offended because it seems so natural and so human to be offended. If somebody does something that offends us, it seems very justified to walk in offense and we're not aware of how the devil wants to use that offense to separate us. And a divided church is a defeated church. Satan's philosophy is divide and conquer. God's philosophy is unify and conquer. But the devil's is divide and conquer. Anything he can divide, if he can divide your marriage, if he can divide a country, if he can divide a church, if he can divide a business, he can defeat you. Because a kingdom divided against itself, Jesus said, cannot stand. So if you're divided against yourself, if you're in a divided situation, you can't stand. You're weak. So the devil uses offenses. And they work all too well, all too often, with unsuspecting believers. So today I want to take this thought just a little step further because we're in warfare. Do you realize our church is taking the word around the country now? We're in every state in the union. 
uh, we're about to go worldwide, and, and we're not taking uh, three points in a poem. We're not taking uh, God wants everybody rich, and I, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preacher and a teacher of Christ, and, and we're taking the cross out there. We're taking the word out there. We're taking Jesus out there. Undiluted, uncompromised, unapologetically, we're taking Christ because that's what our world is dying for. So because of that, we can never wake up as a church and go, well, the devil's off bothering somebody else. No. Um, Here's the deal. If we're going to defeat the devil, we've got to know how to resist him. How do you resist him? The devil can't get away with successfully dividing or attacking us in any form or fashion if we're submitted to God. He can't win. So that's what I want to focus on today. Yes, he attacks. Yes, he tries to divide. Yes, he tries to conquer. But he can't get away with it if we are submitted to God as individuals and as a church. He can't get away with it if we're submitted to God. Because if you're submitted to God, then you're also submitted to the authority of God's word. All right? And that's how you successfully resist the devil. James says you resist him by submitting to God and submitting to the authority and the truth of his word. Amen? And the word submitted comes from a Greek word that means to to come under the arrangement of what somebody has established, okay? Come under the arrangement. Uh, Let me give you an example. You join the army, and you learn real quick to come under the arrangement of the way they have things set up, right? And one of the first things you learn in the army is, yes, sir. Why? Because now you are submitted to the army and to the army's commands, right? Now, listen, Jesus is not just our Savior. He's our commander-in-chief, amen? He is our commander-in-chief. He is Lord. Everybody say with me, he is Lord, He's Lord. He's literally Lord. I get a kick out of people that have been saved 20 years. Then they come along and say, wow, yesterday I made Jesus Lord. Say what? The minute you got saved, he was the boss applesauce. Right? The minute you got saved, he's Lord. He's boss. And we are to be submitted to him. Amen. And, and, And how are we submitted to him? Well, by obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit within us, but also by what this Word tells us to do, how this Word tells us to live. Every bit of it, not just the red ink. I love reading the red. That's what Jesus said. But you know what? The whole Bible is every bit as much the Word of God. So as believers, we're to be submitted to God by submitting to His Word. Submitting to his word, the teachings of his word. What does he say? How does he tell us to live? Put another way, if we're living in open rebellion to something clearly stated in God's word, then victory over Satan is impossible. I'm going to say that again. If we're living in open rebellion to something taught in the word of God, then victory over Satan is impossible. Submit to God. Then resist the devil. Then he will flee from you. There's an order here. Submit to God. Then resist the devil. Don't say resist the devil and then think about submitting to God. No. What positions you for victory is being submitted to God. Then you can resist the devil successfully. All right? It's the number one key to winning spiritual battles. Submit to God. So to walk in unforgiveness or to carry grudges or to live in some kind of unrepentant sin or to ignore something we know that God has told us to do opens the door for Satan, listen to me, to oppress us. I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed. I don't. I don't see it anywhere in the Bible. The devil can't possess, can't, can't live in the same room the Holy Spirit's in. So you you can't be possessed, but I'll tell you, you can be oppressed. And how do Christians get oppressed? They get oppressed by getting out from under submission to God. That's how they get oppressed. The devil knows he can't possess you, but he also knows he can't oppress you. So he, he wants to get in through the door of rebellion against the clearly revealed word of God and will of God. He wants, to, he wants to tempt us and lure us out from under submission to God because then he's able to attack with oppression. 
I'm telling you the truth today. I want you to understand the way it really is. This is Christianity in the raw. And I'm not here to give you pie-in-the-sky theology. I want you to know how to walk it out tomorrow when you wake up. We've got to be aware that Satan's desire is to destroy us as Christians. He wants to ruin your reputation. Are you aware of that? He wants believers to live angry and frustrated, not in peace and joy. He wants us to not love our neighbor. He wants us to lose interest in church and the things that Jesus cares about. Uh, he wants us to feel so downtrodden and so defeated that we don't have the energy to serve God. This, this is what he's after. He wants you worn out, beat down, defeated, frustrated, discouraged, disillusioned. You're still going to go to heaven, but you're not going to go to heaven near as fruitful as if you're successfully resisting the devil and moving forward. Are you with me? So, well, Pastor, I just choose not to get in spiritual warfare. Are you saved? If you're saved, you've already been drafted. Wake up. You're in the Lord's army, and he's our commanding officer. Amen. Now, I'm going to share with you just a couple of ways, uh, due to time, just a couple of ways the devil traps us into uh, not submitting to God, because that's what he's after. He wants be born again all day. You're going to go to heaven if he can get you not submitted to God on this earth, you're not going to be fruitful. So let me give you a couple of the ways that he does it. These are some of his best tactics. Here they are. First, he, Satan offers quick solutions over waiting on God. He offers quick solutions over waiting on God. He offers shortcuts to solving our problems. He tempts us to move in haste without waiting on God's answer, which often, let me hear a big amen, requires patience. Waiting on God's answer? Yeah. Uh, have, how many of you have ever looked up and said, God, your timing sure ain't mine? Right? Uh, God always seems to take longer than I would. And so I've learned, but, I, but here's the deal. If, if the devil can get you to accept a shortcut, quick solution to a problem in your life that didn't come from God, he can lure you out from under being submitted to God because being submitted to God means also waiting on God for God to give you his God-sent answers to the problems in your life. So God speaks. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and he will not upbraid you for asking. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers or he that doubts is like the waves of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. The double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We're to learn to wait. But when we take the devil's shortcuts, and believe me, he gives them, he gives them, we get out from under submission to God, and we end up oppressed. Let me give you a great example. Jesus in the wilderness. There he is for 40 days battling Satan. He hadn't eaten. He hadn't had a thing to eat, not one thing. He's 40 days. It says in, in Mark's gospel that he was in the wilderness with the beasts, the jackals, the hyenas, the dangerous predators. He's in the wilderness. He's alone. He has no prayer partner. He's out there fighting Satan. We only know about three of the temptations. That doesn't mean that's all that came at him. For 40 days, Satan was coming at him. But the Holy Spirit chose to tell us what three of the temptations were. He gave him three major temptations. And one of them, here's what Satan said to Jesus. It says the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and all their splendor. And he says, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. All of this, Jesus, I will give you if you just bow down and worship me. Matthew 4, 8 to 9. Now, now the, the Bible says, listen to this, it was indeed God's will that Jesus have all the kingdoms of the world. Satan knew it. Isn't it amazing what Satan knows? He knows the Bible better than a lot of believers. Because he quotes the Bible. And if you don't know the Bible, he'll quote it bad to you. And he'll twist it. 
And he twists the word now with Jesus. He said, I know that it's God's will that you inherit all the kingdoms of the world. Because in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, here the day is going to come when this is said. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and forever. There's Jesus receiving all the kingdoms of the world at the end of time. And Satan knew it. But what was Satan doing? He was offering a shortcut. He wanted to tempt Jesus to step out of God's timing. Because God's plan always was to turn over all the kingdoms of the world to his son. But only after he had died for the sins of men. So Satan was trying to circumvent Jesus from going to the cross, which was Satan's biggest nightmare. Because on the cross, Satan lost death. He lost hell. And he lost the power of the grave. So here's, here's the devil trying to lure Jesus into accepting an illegitimate shortcut to something that was legitimately his. Do you get it? Do you see how the devil did this? Worship me, and I'll give it all to you. And here was the magic word. I'll give it to you now. You won't have to wait. You can have it now. Just think about it, Jesus. If you just bow down right now, it's all yours now. You won't have to go through that painful cross. I'll give it to you now. Of course, Jesus saw right through it and uh, rejected it. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. But, but this is Satan's way. He tries to lure us into accepting his quick, easy, shortcut solutions to what God's will is for us if we just wait on God. Satan says... Go ahead and marry this person now. You may never get another proposal. Do it now. Jump while the jumping's good. Or how about this one? Do this business deal now. Even if it's a little shady. God understands. Or how about this one? Quickly grab that expensive car you've always wanted before someone else gets it. God will provide. And how many of you know... Those bills come every month as faithfully as anything in the universe. How many of you have been walking through the mall and you heard God talk? Oh, isn't that a beautiful dress? Isn't that a beautiful suit? Oh, don't you know God wants you to have that? Isn't it amazing how God can talk to you in the mall? And tell you, get it now, get it. But I don't have the money. I, I don't hardly have enough to pay my bills. Oh, God will cover it. Do it now. Somebody else is going to grab it. Do it now. God wants you blessed. Do it now. And you don't wait for the word of God. You know, it says in the Bible, those that really honor God, it, it says this about them every time. It says they inquired of the Lord. Do I go to battle? Do I go against this enemy? Do I go here? Do I go there? Do I do this? Do I do that? They inquired of the Lord. And guess what? When they didn't inquire of the Lord, they got in trouble every time. Inquire of the Lord. I want everybody to say with me, God's talking. If I'm listening, well, that was about five of you. Let's try this one. God's leading. If I'm following, please understand Satan's tactic to get you out from under being submitted to God is to get you to move in haste to get you to move in the flesh, to get you to act without his counsel, without his advice, without the amen of the word of God. Satan's message is don't pray about it. Don't inquire of the Lord. Don't wait for some answer from above. You know what's best. Jump. But if we don't pray about major decisions and run them through the sifter of God's word and sometimes even better, godly counsel, we are in danger of not being submitted to God. And Satan wants to oppress us by making hasty decisions outside of God's timing by taking one of his shortcuts. And he, listen, he gives shortcuts all the time. I see believers take uh, shortcuts all the time without waiting on God. And I've done it. I've done it many times. And I always hurt for it. Amen. So everybody say, wait on God. Now let's say together, no shortcuts. No, no shortcuts. Wait on God. God will tell you what to do. Now, another way Satan succeeds in luring us out of submission to God. Because remember, if he can get you out of submission to God, you can't defeat the devil. 
You've got to be submitted to God in all things. And here's how he'll do it. Here's the second way, the last way I'm going to talk about today. By bringing doubt about God's word. He sows doubt about God's word. This is happening everywhere, in churches everywhere. Christians are reassessing scripture. They're, they're, they're saying, I'm not so sure this is true or that's true, or I was taught right, or I interpreted that right. And they're, they're, they're putting a fancy name on it. They're calling it deconstruction. Now, I, I call it backsliding. But they call it deconstruction where they go, well, I'm not so sure Jesus is the only way. I'm not so sure that the way I was taught about this or that was, was really the right way. And they're reassessing, they're doubting the veracity, the truth of God's word. And what they don't understand is if, God, if the devil can get us to doubting God's word, he can get us out from under submitting to God. He, he does it this way. He, he either adds to God's word something that it doesn't say, or he takes away from what it does say. And that's how he gets you to doubt God's word. Let's jump all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where the first temptation happened. Here's Adam and Eve. They have been given a paradise that is indescribable, unimaginable. We will never, in our, on our best day, begin to imagine what Eden looked like. It was bliss. It was heaven on earth. It was glorious. It was magnificent. God blessed them with every blessing they could have possibly imagined or asked for. It came with only one stipulation. God said in Genesis 2, 17, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree right over there, it's right there. There's that tree. And they looked at that tree when God said it. God said, that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, that's the one thing you can't touch. Not touch, eat. You can't eat of it. You can't eat of that tree. Everything else is yours. But that one tree, you can't eat of it. That's it. You can't eat of it. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So it was a command with a warning. If you eat of that tree, you're going to die. All they had to remember was one verse. All they had to remember was one command. We've got 66 books to remember. They only had one command, one word from God. Don't eat of that tree. That was it. That's all they had to remember. And they even managed to mess that up. Now I want you to look. This is the very thing Satan attacked. He did not come to Eve and say, wow, Eve, you're kind of aging. Uh, wow, you know, you need to look in the mirror because you're not looking as good as when God created you. He didn't, get a, he, didn't do the, he didn't attack her that way. Or he didn't attack her and say, I don't think Adam's the one for you. None of that. No, none of that. No. What did Satan attack? He attacked God's word. The one word God gave them, that's what he attacked. He attacked God's word. Let me ask you, has he ever changed? Never. He has never changed. He attacked God's word. He knew if I can get her to doubt God's word, I can get her out from being submitted to God. And that's when I can ruin them. So he said, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. No, Eve, come on. You've got it all wrong. You've misunderstood God. You're not going to die. And look what he did. He refuted God's word. He argued about it. He twisted it in her mind, until finally she doubted it. She doubted whether or not she had it straight. She doubted whether or not she was interpreting it correctly. Did, did, did I hear God right? Am I really not supposed to touch that tree and eat of that fruit? Is that true? And we have the same kind of battles today. The devil says, God didn't really mean what you were always taught about sexual sin. All that matters is if you love that person. And he steals away God's protective warnings. Or Jesus didn't really mean that he was the one and the only way to heaven. Come on. There are many paths. As long as you're sincere, God sees your sincerity. And in taking away from the word, he steals God's path of salvation away. Or God never said that marriage was exclusively for a man and a woman. That's a misinterpretation. All that matters is if you love them. And are committed. And he steals away God's plan for the family. 
He steals by taking away from God's word, making you doubt something in it, making you doubt that you've had it right. And in this way, he moves people out from under submission to God. And if he can get you out from under submission to God, where you start living against the clear instructions of the Bible, then he can oppress you and he can ruin you. Conversely, the Bible also warns that in the last days, catch this, everybody, the devil will attack God's word by adding to it, adding to it, things that aren't there. Listen to Paul. The Spirit clearly says that in the last times, some are going to abandon the faith, walk away from their faith in Christ Jesus, and follow what? Deceiving spirits and things demons are teaching. They're going to turn their ear away from what God said, and they're going to listen to somebody who's adding to the Bible something that's not there. So quiet in here. But this is so important, y'all. You know how many false prophets are out there? How many false teachers are out there? Social media is so full of them. It's everywhere. And many last days Christians, Paul says, are going to listen to things taught in Jesus' name that don't have a thing to do with Christianity. You're going to hear people talking in the name of Christ who are not going to be laying out for you the genuine Christian life. Things that are added to the scriptures. They're going to add things that aren't there. And, and, and when people open the door to it, they're going to depart from the real faith and follow a fable, a myth, something phony, something fake. Give you a few examples. The false religion of Mormonism added the Book of Mormon to the Bible. The Book of Mormon is not a part of the Word of God, but it's been added. You get in the Mormon church, you're going to get that Book of Mormon. But that's not the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God, but they added it. Islam added the Quran to replace the Bible, claiming inspiration. Jehovah's Witnesses added their own translation of the Bible, which is filled with added verses that are twisted to fit their false doctrine. Things added. And there's even subtler kinds of deception that come with better disguises. They aren't totally true, and they aren't blatantly false, but they're almost true. Almost true. They, they, they come subtly twisted by careful nuance and hard to detect shades of meaning. It's like getting a great meal in a restaurant. I got a great meal at a restaurant one time. I mean, this was wonderful. I think it was steak. I was paying for this thing. And, and I got the plate, and I'm getting ready to eat it, and I see a hair in it. Now, what would you think of me? I said, ah, you know, no big deal. And I went to eat it. Now, what do we do when we find something like a hair in our meal at a restaurant? We call the waitress over. I can't eat this. There's no way I'm eating this. Because if there's one, there may be more. Thank you. I don't like eating hair, especially if I don't know where it came from. So I reject the meal. Amen? But see, gullible Christians all the time listen to teaching that's got hair in it. And we hear a couple of false statements, and we say, oh, no big deal. And, and uh, there's clear signs of false teaching. We say, oh, well, the rest of it's good. And they eat the meal anyway, and they assimilate it into their lives, and they end up becoming oppressed by the devil. No. Are you all hearing me today? We are to be selective. We are to be discerning. We are to be smart about what we eat regarding our soul. Say, oh, come on, Jeff, you're just really splitting hairs. No pun intended. <laughs> Am I? Listen to this. Paul tells his young son in the faith, Timothy, he says this. Take heed to yourself, Timothy, and to the teaching you've received. Continue, listen to this, in sound teaching, Timothy. For in doing this, you will, listen to this, everybody, save both yourself and those who hear you. You catch that? Sound doctrine, and doctrine just means teaching. That's all it means. It just means teaching. Sound teaching saves the teacher, and it saves the listener. It has a saving effect. It'll save you from being deceived. 
It'll save you from being ruined by false teaching. It'll save you from being led astray. It has a saving effect. So if the Bible tells me that, it, that if I listen to sound teaching, it's going to save me, I'm on the hunt for sound teaching. You've got to watch that something had not been taken from the Word or added to the Word because the devil knows if I can get them out from under the Word, then they're not going to be submitted to God. And if they're not submitted to God, they can resist me all day long. It's not going to do any good. They can bind, loose, rebuke, fast, pray. But if they're not submitted, listen, Satan laughs at the Christian who rebukes him while that Christian is not submitted to God. Are y'all with me? The important thing to walk away with today is submission to God is the first lesson in Spiritual Warfare 101. I gotta be submitted to God. So every day when I get up and, and I, I go straight to the prayer room after uh, getting my coffee, which God made on the eighth day and said it is good, and I get my coffee. I love coffee. You say, Pastor, you ought to give that up. I don't want to give it up. You say, well, you're kind of hooked. I, 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 I like that hook. I'm just kidding. If that's the only vice in my life, I'm very well off. And I wouldn't call it a vice. I just enjoy it. Anyway, I get my coffee and I go in there and I open up the Bible because I realize this is my instruction manual for living. And every word in it is true. And whatever it tells me about morals, ethics, philosophy, theology, it's always true. And I come in under that word. And if I have in any way broken that word and grieve God or sin against God, I get it under the blood. I, I do not want to give a sin more than a 24-hour shelf life. So I get it under in that prayer time. And I say, Lord, today I will defeat the devil as I am submitted to you. Because I can't resist him till I'm submitted. Now, next week, I'm gonna, Lord willing, I'm going to talk to you about resisting, what it means to resist the devil. Everybody say with me, submit first to God. Can we stand together? There was a person in my, well, I hope they're not watching. I'm pretty sure they're not watching. There was a person in my extended family, um, and an offense came, and the offense divided us. Extended family, not my sisters, um, extended. And it, it divided us. So there's zero communication. And it went a long time. I took it to God because I said, there's nothing I can do about what they did. I can't change it. Uh, I forgive them in your presence, Lord. But I'll get into the Word. And the Word said, as much as lies within you, live in peace with all men. Oh, there's times I didn't like that verse. I didn't want to come in under that verse. Because after all, I was right and they were wrong. Right? I mean, that's the way you always are with an offense. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll forgive them when they come and ask me to forgive them. When they come and apologize, sometimes they're not ever going to apologize. So here I keep running across this verse. And one day I'm in prayer, and the Lord said to me, call them. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Get out of this prayer time and leave me alone. Call them. They're not a believer. Matter of fact, they're atheists. So I call them. Came in under God's word. Because it's the boss. Question, can the Bible tell you what to do? Can it tell me what to do? You better believe it. It's God's word. So I called, and they were stunned. Good to hear from you. You know, I can see them thinking, and there was someone else in the room, and I could see them cupping the phone, telling them who it was. And I said, hey, I was just thinking about you. I want to be sure everything's fine. Uh, tell me how things have been going. And I, and I broke the ice. And when I hung up, peace flooded my soul. Because, listen, I can now resist the devil. And I got to be able to resist the devil, folks. 
So do you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you. You've told us to be submitted to you. Be submitted to you, to obey you, to be under the lordship of Jesus. And until we're there, we can't successfully defeat Satan and his attacks. So we don't want to be out from under submission to God. I want all of us to pray. Can you just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, today, if there's any area in my life that is not submitted to God, show me so I can successfully win against Satan in my life. I submit to God. Let's say it again. I submit to God and I resist the devil. Thank you, Lord. He must flee from me as I am submitted to God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, can you? Amen. Amen. Well, I want you to be seated just for a moment. Dr. Leonard from our seminary, SUM, is going to share a brief word. I tell her, you're four foot eleven, but you're going to heaven. <laughs> she, but let me tell you, she kickboxes. So that when I heard that, I learned to submit to Dr. Leonard real quick. <laughs> submit. But go ahead and share with us about SUM just for a few minutes. Well, thank you, Pastor Jeff. It's wonderful to be with you here this morning. I, I joked with uh, Pastor Jeff yesterday at our graduation that one of the reasons I kickbox is because I'm so short. It's actually, I grew up in a very big family, 10 brothers and sisters, and I am the shortest of all of them but I'm still going to heaven. I made it. I'm going. I'm going. I'm so excited to be with you here this morning, and I want to send greetings, bring greetings from SUM all the way from El Dorado Hills, California, Northern California. You know, SUM Bible College 30 years ago was started by George No, who is our chancellor, and he was in New Orleans, Louisiana, and he felt called to start a Bible college for urban missions. That's what the SUM stands for, the School of Urban Missions. From that has been launched cohorts all over the United States in all or many countries around the world. And this year was our largest graduating class, including several students here from our cohort in Fort Worth. We graduated 139 students. Isn't that incredible? From our bachelor's programs, our master's programs, from countries like Pakistan, India, Ghana. We have students in Puerto Rico, of course, here in the United States, all over the world, the Philippines. Right now, as I am speaking to you today in Texas, we have Pastor Melanie, who is the Vice President of Student Life and Ministry. She is in El Salvador, ministering to thousands of pastors and potentially starting a cohort there. We have the opportunity, potentially, to go into Ethiopia and start a cohort there, possibly into Nicaragua, into Cuba, many parts of Latin America, Guatemala. The Lord is doing amazing things in SUM, and we are so excited that we've been able to partner here with Turning Point Church and Pastor Jeff. We're so grateful for that opportunity. You know, this fall, as Pastor Brandon already shared, we are starting a donation-based tuition program. One of our four pillars at SUM is that students have affordable education. I have four degrees, and I have, unfortunately, student loans from those four degrees. It's not as bad as some. But when I first went into ministry, I was making $500 a month many, many years ago. There was no way that I was going to be able to pay for student loans as well as everything else. I wish SUM had been around when I was going to school several years ago because we know that people call to ministry very likely, especially if they are in countries around the world, will make very little. The cost of education is far too high. The need is far too great. A billion people around the world do not know Jesus. And we want to send people into ministry with little to no debt. And so this fall, we are starting a donation-based 
tuition program. There is no reason. There is no more excuse to not follow that call of God to ministry. We are also hopefully starting an associate of arts degree. We currently have five degrees, a bachelor of arts in theology and ministry, a bachelor of arts in worship and music, and, and three different master's degree, a master of divinity, master of arts in Christian leadership, and then a master of arts in biblical studies. And we are hoping to start an associate of arts in theology and ministry, a 64-unit degree. For those who feel some calling to ministry, but maybe don't want a full Bible degree, you just want a little bit of theological education, we plan on starting that hopefully in the fall. There's no excuse not to follow the call of God upon your life. A billion people around the world who do not know Jesus. The shooting just a few weeks ago here in your home state at that elementary school. The shootings in churches all over the world. The war in Ukraine and Russia. People are lost. People are broken. The last two years that we have struggled to survive this pandemic. Gas prices. The world is struggling. And we need you to step out into the call that God has upon your life. Every single one of you have a purpose. Every single one of you have a calling upon your life. Not all are called to full-time vocational ministry, but we all are called. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you feel that burning inside of you to pursue whatever that calling might be, I want to encourage you to surrender that to God, to step out and obey. You don't have to know all of the details. You don't have to have all the answers right now. Just surrender and be obedient to God to step out into faith. I am so excited. I will. We will be meeting with you after this service. We will be having some time together in the fellowship hall. I will be there to answer any questions that you have along with Tina, our cohort advisor. And so we are excited to be able to be here and talk with you. I hope to be able to talk with you further. Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff. Stay here, stay here, stay here. Amen. Well, and also, SUM has successfully stolen away one of our own staff. Uh, Brendan, come on up. And Brendan, I, I've seen it coming for a long time because he got more and more involved in SUM under this roof. And then um, they had a position opening up um, that fitted his gifting and his calling perfectly. So he came and said, what do you think about me doing this? And I said, well, what is God telling you? He said, well, I think God's telling me to do it. And I said, well, then do it. Because we're still going to be working with him. But he's moving to a deep, dark wilderness called California. Which takes incredible faith. And... Um, Brendan, why don't you tell them quickly what you're going to, because we're going to, we're going to continue to be working with him. He's going to be our guy there, but he's going to go and, and dedicate full time to that. And, um, you know, he's been with us how many years? Nine years, nine and a half on staff, 14 as a member. Wow. Yep. Wow. So, um, tell them what you're going to be doing. Yeah, what, the, you know, this year we did the Eco Conference, which we brought the student body here to the DFW area to evangelize DFW. We will be back here next year, but starting August 15th, somewhere in that range, I have been hired to become the eco director. So I will direct that conference now as we take the gospel literally around the country to different cities every single year. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I have the opportunity also to work with Pastor Melanie as her assistant vice president of cohort development to expand SUM literally around the world. But as always, my heart is here with pastor and my church family. That'll never change. And the seeds that you pastor have planted in me will be now sown literally around the world as the Lord expands Turning Point Church's influence through what you placed in me through SUM. And we're gonna be in continual contact and working with him. But I gotta tell you, this was hard for me. I'm going to be honest with you. It was hard because I leaned on 
Brendan a lot. Now, God has always brought someone else every time because people move on. You know, people, oh, he's moving. What happened? Nothing. Nothing. Except that it's his next step. And I would be wrong to hold him or put a guilt trip on him. How can you leave me at a time like this? None of that. So uh, God will give somebody, but he's a son of the faith. When Brendan walked into this building, he was out of church. He was angry at church. He had been burned badly in the church he was in, had been in before getting out. And we had Hero Weekend where we honored the police and the fire department. And he came for that. And he walked in and never walked back out. And that's how it happened. And he, he uh, resigned from the police force. He was, a, he was a cop, resigned from the police force and uh, went to seminary. And so, but I need to tell you, I need to forgive you. No, I, I gotta be able to resist the devil. No, I'm, I'm kidding. So everybody say, we bless you, Brendan. Now he's here for how many more weeks? I'll be here through the end of July. End of July. So anyway, amen. Amen. And I know he's going to come sneaking in from time to time and say hello. He will. So everybody, back to today's message. Don't let anything keep you from being able to resist the devil. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessing. Can I have some prayers to come down, please? Just a few prayers to come to the front that we can pray with people. Because you may need to come to the altar and lay something down that has been that one thing that has kept you from being submitted to God. No condemnation, but lay it down so that you can fight the good fight. Amen? So, Father, thank you for your people. Bless them. And, Lord, we just pray, shine upon them and help all of us as a church family to be submitted to God as we know to be so that we can have a clear conscience and successfully resist Satan. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless all of you. In the name of the Lord, have a great week.